Father God, you truly are great and greatly to be praised. And this morning we just come and we worship you because, Lord, as we sometimes face problems and they seem big, you're bigger. We face struggles and sometimes they seem powerful, but you are the almighty and there is no power greater than you. Lord, sometimes in this world, it, it, it seems to be kind of bleak, but you're my joy. So Lord, we come and we worship you for who you are. We sing that song and much of that song is talking about the things you do, which no one else can do. But you do what you do because of who you are. You do great things because you are great. You do good things and, 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 and your mercy and your patience with me just makes me say, man, God's good. You, the good things you do is because your nature, you're, you're good. Your scriptures have told us, taste and see that the Lord is good. And Lord, we have tasted and seen and you're better than we thought you were. You're better than we thought. You're bigger than we thought you were. And we didn't know how great you were when we were incomplete in knowledge and we still don't know how great you are. But the more we look into you, know more about you. That's just about as best we can say is... <laughs> You're great, God. You're great. You're great in your might and your power, your strength. You are almighty. And at the same time, you're so good that you can touch a mere speck like me in a very tender and kind way. Lord, we just thank you for your greatness and your goodness. And declare this morning, we love you. We love you. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I've been making a few statements over the last few weeks. We are on day 15 of 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's been amazing. It's been so good. And God has just been showing us uh, his goodness and his greatness over and over in fresh and new ways. And man, it's just been so good. And, and uh I've been making a few statements along the way, such as it's not that I want more from God, but that I want more of God. Amen. Now, when I say that, it's not saying that I don't want more from God. <laughs> but if I had to choose between his goodies and his goodness, I'm going to pick his goodness. Amen. Oh, he, he's good and, and he gives good gifts to his kids. But. If I, if I had to choose between his stuff and himself, I'm going to pick God. And he's already done more for me. I can spend the rest of my life thanking him for new things every day. If he never did another thing for me, but what he's already done for me, I still, at the end of my life, will not have exhausted all of the things he's done for me and given him thanks. But as good as that is, I would forfeit all of the things he's done for me just to just for him. He's enough. 
Amen. He's enough. Just him. Matthew chapter 4. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 4, we have Jesus uh, about to, well, he, he just got baptized by John the Baptist. He heard God the Father speak from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He's beginning his earthly ministry at this point. And in, in chapter 4, verse 1, it says, when Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, I said this, I don't know, maybe a month ago, that sometimes it, it, it helps to just kind of break a sentence up into bite-sized chunks. Now, I wouldn't talk normally like this, but when we look at this verse of Scripture, let's just break it up in bite-sized chunks, because when we do, you're pro something probably going to step out, uh, uh, just kind of jump out at you that maybe you have not noticed before. So let's look at this verse of Scripture. And you, let's do this. This, this, will, this will be new for us. This will be fun. <laughs> you read it with me one phrase at a time. Then Jesus was led up. So y'all catching on yet? Next three words. Say it with me. By the Spirit into the wilderness. Next three words. To be tempted. Next three words. By the devil. Let's try it all together now one more time. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I don't know if you caught it yet. Who, uh, who uh, led Jesus into the wilderness? Holy Spirit. Y'all caught that. Everybody's good there. What was the purpose that the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness for? Really? You ever seen that before? It was the whole intention from the very beginning. We're going to take you out into the wilderness. Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness for the purpose of being tempted. So many times we think, no, the purpose was for him to fast. But if, we, if you just look at it word for word, what was the purpose of him being led into the wilderness to be tempted? He is just now beginning his earthly ministry. He's been baptized and now he's beginning his earthly ministry. And it's as if God says, we need to show you Jesus. Because now you, I'm fixing to back up into some deep theology for a second. We don't do cotton candy sermons. It's not just soft and sweet. So Jesus, when he left his throne room of heaven to come to earth, he set aside his glory for a moment. And in his setting aside of his glory for that moment, his omniscience, his all-knowing, he set that aside for a moment. All right? He's still 100% God. But when he was 12 years old, he goes to the temple with his family, goes to Jerusalem with his family. His family heads back to Nazareth. Where's, where's Jesus? They go and find him in the temple and he's studying. And, and then he tells his mama, uh, don't you know I must be about my father's business? And his mama said, you better get your butt back to the house. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said it like that. But by the way, you will notice that he submitted to the authority of his mama and it wasn't to be, I mean, he's 12 years old at that time and you don't hear him saying another thing until he's 30 years old. He submitted to the authority of his mother and you begin to understand as you read the scripture with this understanding that everything God does is through submission and authority. There is order in everything God does. 
If you don't get that, and if you don't teach your children to submit to your authority, then what authority will they reject? And the, cult, and, and the ultimate authority of God, they'll reject him too. Everything in the kingdom of God is submitted to authority. And, and that was just a little rabbit trail. I'm chasing it right back down into the sermon. And then it said, Jesus grew in knowledge and stature. If he knew everything at 12 years old, now, it did say he knew a lot. Because he was in that temple and he was, he, was, he, he was mixing it up with those scribes as if he was one of them. And they're blown away by how much he did know. But he grew in knowledge and stature. If he was already completely all-knowing, then he wouldn't grow in knowledge. Everybody tracking with me a little bit? Everybody tracking with me? And so Jesus is led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Does God tempt you? That was a trick question. I caught some of you. God doesn't tempt you, but he will test you. And he tests you not for him to know what is in you, but for you to know what is in you. He's a, yes, God is omniscient. He knows everything. But he tests you for you to know what is in you. And so Jesus, in his not knowing everything at, at this particular time, could it be that God was letting him know you do have the goods to be the savior of the world because you're going to win this fight and everyone hereafter? And definitely he wanted Jesus to know, he wanted Satan to know, oh yes, this is the savior of the world and he will conquer you. So let's read it again. By the way, again, God will test you in order to build you up. Satan wants to tempt you in order to bring you down. And even though they sound similar, they're two different outcomes desired. Chapter 4, verse 1, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he fasted 40 days, do you think maybe he was fasting 40 days because he knew the temptation was coming? And that it, it was him getting stronger in the spiritual in order to defeat the devil rather than him getting weaker in order to be, you tracking with me? The purpose wasn't going into the wilderness too fast. The purpose was going into the wilderness to be tempted. And his fasting could have possibly been in order that he might have been so reliant upon God that the power of God would defeat the enemy that is trying to tempt him. And so this, is, this, is, this might have challenged your thinking this morning. And if you think that I'm a theological nut already in the first five minutes of the sermon, it's okay. Just stick with me. I probably am, but you just stick with me. And recognize that maybe your preconceived notions of all that is scripture, maybe everything's not exactly right. And we'll say this, I said I've said a few things, statements all along the way. Here's one of them I said. The, the greatest hindrance to a deeper experience with God is thinking you've already gotten it. The greatest hindrance to a deeper experience with God is thinking you've already gotten it. If you think you, you got all that you're ever going to get and that you don't need any more and you've done all that you ever need to do and you don't need to do any more, then you're not going to be seeking God on greater levels. But if you do know that God, God will give you more, as Paul said, Paul said, oh, I want to know him more. If you do know that God will give you more and show you more of him and unveil even greatness, even more of his greatness to you, you will continue to seek him. The great spiritual giants over the history of our world had all one thing in common. 
they continued to seek greater revelation of who God is. I should have got a better response than that. I'll let you soak on it for a second. And then we're going to say it again. Think about this. All great spiritual giants, men and women of God who have done great things for God, they all had one thing in common. They continued to seek for a greater revelation of God. That's a little better. We're getting there. (laughs) But the greatest hindrance to a deeper experience with God is thinking you've already got it. I don't need need any more. I'm not looking for any more. Well, then what are you doing here? What 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 do, you, what do you want to read anymore for? What do you want to seek God for? What are you trying to, do you want to know him more? I do. I do. I do. Now, when the tempter had come, so verse 3, now when the tempter uh, came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. Now, he has already fasted for 40 days, 40 nights. Uh, I will point out uh, that this is a supernatural fast that he has fasted from food and water, and you can't do that unless God sustains you supernaturally. You will die. And yet he is, is there fasting 40 days, 40 nights, and there he is, the tempter comes to him at the end of his 40-day fast and says, hey, ain't you hungry? Won't you take those little stones around you, turn them into bread, and you can eat them. And I know if you've heard anything preached on this ever before, I know what you already, I already know what you heard. I already know what you heard. And you have heard that when Satan tempts you, you respond with the word. I've preached that before. And it's 100% truth. When Satan tempts you, respond with the word of God. If you don't have knowledge of the word of God, you're going to be uh, unequipped. But when he tempts you, respond with the word of God. But yet, I'm going to tell you that how you use the word of God is mightily important. And, and, and so I want you to po- I want to point out to you, I want you to see this. Not only is Jesus responding with the word of God, he's, he's quoting Deuteronomy, uh, but he is actually using this word of God to say the things of this world cannot compare to the things of the, of the spirit. It cannot even compare. He, he said, I, I, man does not live by bread alone, physical but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He will use this statement of bread over and over and over again throughout the scriptures. I want you to turn with me to the book of John. Actually, let's do this. I'm going, I, I know my sister back there on that mouse. She says, I go rogue all the time. We're going rogue, sister. <laughs> going back to Deuteronomy. Let's go back to Deuteronomy where Jesus quoted this passage from chapter 8, verse 3. Because this goes with the, something I just said previously. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, it talks about how God tested the nation of Israel in the wilderness. Anybody ever been tested by God? Are y'all too uh, scared to be in here that you can't raise your hand? Anybody ever been tested by God? Well, I don't think I was tested by God. Let me promise you, you were tested by God. You've been tested. You've never been tempted by God. But God will let you see what's in you. And you recognize that he has proven you. He has helped you prove that you have his power within you. So let's just start in verse 1. My goodness. I can talk it to death. Let's just read it. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. 
And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you. Anybody ever want to be humbled by God? I, I always tell the Lord, I'll do it myself. I got, I got this. Let me, let me do this. <laughs> and God led them into the wilderness to humble and test you, to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. It did not say for him to know, because God is omniscient. But maybe you need to know. Maybe you need to know what's in your heart. Has anybody ever been surprised that was to what was in their heart? I have, uh, I have been so surprised that was in my heart. Do you know how I found out what was in my heart? You know what you get when you squeeze an orange? Orange juice, that's what everybody said. What do you get when you squeeze a lemon? You know what you actually get when you squeeze an orange, when you squeeze a lemon? You get everything that's on the inside. Seeds, pulp, if there's bugs inside, you'll get that. You ever been squoze? <laughs> Y'all don't understand this, 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 this country tongue. Squoze is the past tense of squeeze. All right? I can say squeeze it, but that don't make no sense. So, you ever been squoze? <laughs> squoze so hard that something came out that you didn't know was in there? I had a spiritual squeeze in one time in which stuff started coming out of my mouth that I, I was shocked. My wife was really shocked what was actually in my heart. So sometimes God will allow us to go through extreme pressures in our life so that we would know what's in there. Track it with me. Verse 3, so he humbled you. I want you to know that anything you'll ever get from God starts right there. It starts right there. And when we quote that passage of Scripture, 2 Chronicles, y'all know the passage of Scripture that, that I'm talking about? If my people who are called by my name, do you know, we jump right into, they say, see, the Lord says pray. We're supposed to pray. The first step, though, was humble yourselves and pray. Humble yourselves. And the Lord said, I allowed you to be tested so that you'd know what was in your heart. And when you know what's in your heart, you know what's going to happen. You're going to humble yourself. Jesus started his first sermon, we call it the Beatitudes, and he started his first sermon, said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Why are they poor in spirit, and what does that mean? It means they're humble. How did they get there? They recognized, because they saw themselves in light of who God is, that they don't have anything in here worth having, and they totally need God. So he said, so he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna which you did not know nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Amen. Amen. You knew that Matthew passage, but did you know where it came from? God said, I let my people be tested so that they might know that the good stuff comes from me. The good stuff comes from me. Last Sunday, I preached about sitting at the Lord's table, and it doesn't it just mean communion, but coming into the fellowship and the presence with God the Father. And I want to ask you this morning, whose table are you sitting at? Because if it's a table of self-indulgence that I want more, more, more from this world, then Jesus needs to come into your temple like he has mine and kick your table over. Yeah. Yeah. And cleanse the temple. 
Because as long as I think that self-indulgence and the things of this world are going to satisfy me, I will continue to seek those things. But I've been told to seek first the kingdom, his righteousness. Those things will be added too. Amen. I'm preaching better than you're talking this morning. I'll tell you what, it's good right here, man. So back to Matthew chapter 4 and Jesus is being tempted in the wilderness. Uh, Satan comes, and we're only going to look at the first one, but I want to point out to you, I want to just unpack a little bit right here out of this passage, out of his temptation, that Jesus was tempted the exact same three ways that Adam and Eve were tempted in the garden. And all temptation and all sin will fit in these three categories. And they're mentioned also in 1 John. In 1 John, it says, do not love this world or the things of it. For those who love this world, the love of the Father is not in them. Everybody with me? So then it describes what the loves of this, the things of this world, how they can be categorized in three different things. The love of, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those three things, all three of those ways was what it said in the scripture in the book of Genesis when Satan was tempted Adam and Eve in the garden, he tempted them with all three things with that one fruit. She's looked at the fruit and saw it was desirable to do three things, these three. And here is Jesus being tempted by Satan to do these three things, same three, and we are told in 1 John that all three categories of temptation and sin fall under, uh, all sin falls under one of these three categories. And I'm going to lay it out for you real quick. The desire to do, called lust of the flesh, lust of the flesh, the desire to do. For this situation, it was the desire to do a miracle at the prompting of Satan in order that he might fulfill his flesh. Y'all with me? Satan says, I want you to turn that stone into bread. You eat it. You'll fulfill your flesh. It's a desire to do. Then he takes it and says, look at all those kingdoms. I'll give them to you if you bow down to me. The desire to have. All three temptations fall right in these three categories. So the first lust of the flesh is a desire to do. We've, maybe you thought that all lust of the flesh was sexual. Well, sexual sins do fall in that category, but it's only one of the things that we desire to do. Everybody with me? Number two, the desire to have the lust of the eyes. See, it, the lust of the eyes is not that you just see something and that was wrong, but not only do you see it, you want it. The lust of the eyes. The desire to do, the desire to have, and finally, the desire to be. Pride of life. The desire to be. And so Satan offered all three of these things to Jesus. And Jesus whooped him at his own game and was victorious. Praise God. And so in the scriptures, Jesus is known as the second Adam in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The first Adam was tempted in all three of these areas and failed. And because of that, we inherited death. 1 Corinthians 15, 45 said that the first Adam came and God breathed into him and made him a living being. But the second Adam, Jesus is referred to as the second Adam, that he becomes a life-giving spirit. I know I'm going deep this morning, but please just stick with me. The first Adam, God breathed into him, he became a living being. Jesus Christ, he's the one who breathes and he gives life to us. That's deep. That's good stuff right there. God had to breathe in the first Adam 
gave him life. Adam was tempted by the devil, failed. We inherited death. Jesus was also tempted by the devil. One, we inherited life. He breathes into us and we get life. Amen. Amen. So God breathed into your lungs one day. Oh, maybe it was when the doctors popped you on the backside and, ah! and screamed and all of a sudden you're breathing and oh, he's alive, he's alive. But there was also a day in which Jesus Christ brought you into himself and the Holy Spirit breathed into your lungs. You see, there's so much going on. There's so much going on in these passages of scripture. Uh, let me point it out this way. Um, in John chapter 4, uh, let's, let's go there. Let's go John chapter 4. Um, and I lost my little marker, but there it is. I found it. In John chapter 4, Jesus is, has an appointment and he's meeting with a woman at the well. She didn't know that she had an appointment, but he, he, he did know he was having an appointment with her. And he sends his disciples on into town. Y'all go get some food. And uh, they go into town, takes a little while, they get back. While they're gone, he visits with this woman at the well because he wasn't just hungry. You ever been hungry? He wasn't just hungry, he was thirsty. And when the woman comes to the well, he said, can you give me a drink of water? She's like, why are you talking to me? I'm a, I, you're talking to a woman, which is not good in their culture. And he said, and she said, you're talking also to a Samaritan woman. Double bad in their culture. Why are you talking to me? He said, I asked you to give me some water, but if you were to ask me, I'll give you water. Of course, he's confused. He said, the water that you're giving me is physical. But if you ask me, I'll give you spiritual water. And when I do, that will spring up inside of you. John chapter 6, he also talks about this living water. He said, it will flow out of you. And he shouts in the middle of one of their festivals and he says, come to me, all you who are thirsty. And then he lets them know that out of them will flow rivers of living water. Can I let you know this morning, and, and, and I say this a lot, and I look at a lot of puzzled faces when I say it, and I've never had anyone come back and contest it and try and prove me different, that Jesus didn't ever say he is the living water. Jesus said he's the fountain. And so he says that the Holy Spirit is the living water. He's the source of the living water. You go to the fountain to get the water. And so when you came to Jesus, you found the source. Amen. Y'all tracking with me? Well, let's get back to John chapter 4, verse 32. When his disciples come back, he, they said, hey, we, we, we brought you some food in verse 32, but he said to them, I have food to eat which you do not know. Jesus would mess people's minds up all the time. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? I mean, he's sitting right here in Samaria and people, they're not going to come talk to him. Then Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now, Satan said, won't you make yourself some food? Jesus said, I'm not going to respond and act according to your prompting, devil. I only respond and act according to the prompting of God. And when I do, that's my food. 
You, you, you see it all coming together now? Satan wants you to respond to his tempting. He wants you to respond to his tempting. He wants you to act upon his suggestion. Because when you obey him, he becomes your ruler. Jesus said, I ain't doing that. I will only listen to my father and I will do what he says. And when I do what my father says, it's better than anything this world has to offer. That's my food. That's my food. That is fulfilling. It is satisfying. That is more desirable. It is more desirable for me to hear, know, and do the will of God than all of the pleasures of this world. Satan offered Jesus all of the pleasures of this world. And Jesus said, nah, that's cheap garbage compared to doing the will of my father. It's more desirable. If you come back to that passage of scripture, Jesus is not just coming at him with the word. The word that he is coming at him with is, it is more desirable, more pleasurable for me to act upon the word of my father than to have all of the things of this world. Ain't that good? Is it not true? I can tell you it's true. It is more desirable. There, there was an old, I, I used to love to watch the old Billy Graham classics. George Beverly Shea, I'd love to hear that old fellow get up there and sing. I've seen his grave, I've seen all of the team, their grave there. Uh, Uncle Billy, I like to call him. I love, I love uh, Ruth Graham's grave because she used to have a saying all the time that said, uh, be patient with me, I'm a work in progress. On her grave, it's progress complete. Amen. Something like it. Anyway, so George Beverly Shea would get up there and sing a song that had been written that said, I'd rather have Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus than, than silver or gold. I'd rather have him than riches untold. It just oh it's such an amazing song and, and I, I can tell you it's so true because what he has to offer is so much better than what the world has to offer and so Jesus himself said Satan I'm not going to act according to your prompting by the way you know it says that Jesus uh, was led to the height of a great pre- uh, cliff and he could and Satan prompted him to and by the way Satan used scripture he used Psalm 91 and, and talked about how if he were to jump, the angels would catch him. And he quoted scripture. Satan knows scripture too. But how he used it and how Jesus used it, totally different. And, and, and so Jesus said, I'm not jumping according to your prompting. But how many times have you jumped off into something and it wasn't God that told you to do it? If you jump according to Satan's prompting, is it God's responsibility to catch you? Think on that for a second. When you go, God, why didn't you catch me? I never told you to jump. You're listening to the wrong voices. You, you said that you would never allow my foot to stumble. Well, when you listen to Satan, then you let him catch you. See if he will. But when you, when you listen to me, you can, I can guarantee you on the truth of God, I'll catch you every time. Catch you every time. Oh, this is good stuff. This is, this, is, this is good stuff. So I want to point out again that the whole purpose of what Jesus is saying, that his bread, his bread is to hear, 
know and do the will of God the Father. He said that's all he ever does. In the book of John, read it, Jesus says, I only do the will of my Father. I only do the will of my Father. I want us to also only do the will of our Father. And when we do, we will find more satisfaction in living out his purposes than what this world could ever bring us. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, I want to uh, look real quick in John chapter 6. Just flip my page over. Jesus' disciples uh, are traveling around with him. They had performed an amazing miracle in which they fed thousands with a multiplication of bread. Bread. Here it comes up again. Bread. This bread comes up again. And remember, bread is a, is a word that connects with it the meaning of life's fulfillment and sustenance. And so he, he, there's so much to, to unpack there, we're not going to touch it all, but I will point out that he fed them physical bread. And then, they, then he slipped away from them, and yet they liked his bread so much because it's free. And we like free stuff, don't we? We could, we could pack this church and say, we're going to give you something free, but you'd be in here. Well, the gospel's free. Salvation's free. I'm glad you're in here. So they wanted some more free bread. They hunt him down, track him down. Verse 25, and when they found him on the other side of the sea, they crossed, they, they were looking hard. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said, Rabbi, when did you come here? Oh, they're acting so innocent. Oh, look who we came upon. We, we didn't know you was over here. Man, you've been hunting him down the whole time. Rabbi, when did you come here? Verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. You hear what he's saying to them? You just came to me for my stuff. All you want's my stuff. You don't really, you're not seeking me at all. You're just seeking my stuff. If I had to choose between his goodies and his goodness, have you even experienced his goodness? Oh, his goodies are good. I like it. I could, I could spend the rest of my time, my rest of my life thanking him for what he's blessed me with. But the greatest blessings he's ever given me is him, himself, himself. Jesus said, y'all just looking to me for my stuff. And then he says in verse 27, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. And what is that food? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's that food. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God is everlasting Fruit. It is bread. It is my supply and sustenance and my strength. Every word that proceeds, that rhema word when God speaks to you, and he will speak to you through this word. He will speak to you through other people. He will speak to you through circumstances. He will speak to you in dreams. He speaks in all sorts of ways. And when you recognize that God has spoken to you, oh my goodness, I'd rather have a word from the Lord than any of his stuff. And yet, when I get a word from the Lord, I am now responsible to do something with it. What I do with it. 
I live it out. I act upon it. Uh, and Jesus says, that is the food that you don't know much about, disciples. But they would. They would come to know about it because they would get in on that flow. See, Jesus has a purpose and a plan for your life, and that is for you to get into this flow. When Jesus hit the ground running in his ministry, and he began at about the age of 30, he hit the ground running, and he didn't stop until they killed him. And the whole purpose was, and he, he let us know all the way through Matthew, you take Matthew and you underline every time it says kingdom. Because see, there's a domain of darkness and Satan hates humanity. And in his hating of humanity, he loves to hurt humanity. But God loves the world, not the things of the world that was created by man, but God loves humanity that was created by God. And because God loves the world, he hates when Satan hurts humanity. And so he puts his people in place and on purpose to help humanity and to help them in their hurtings, but also ultimately to bring them to him. That's the kingdom. And so when he plants us in his kingdom, it's for the purpose of growing his kingdom. Why? Because he needs, he needs us to go and rescue others out of the, the, the hurt locker, out of sins and Satan's slave market. And he's called us to do it. And when you get in on that plan and on that purpose, you'll find out exactly what Jesus is talking about when he said, that's my bread. I, I can forfeit a meal in order to do God's will. Oh, that rhymed. I like that. Somebody will tweet that. My goodness, that's, that's worth fasting right there. I can forfeit a meal to do God's will. And this is what Jesus said. That's my bread. That's what I want to do. And if you get in on his plan, you will find out exactly what he means. It's more fulfilling to act on the word of God than anything this world could ever give you. you say, well, I hadn't grown so spiritually mature yet that I can actually hear the word of God. Can I encourage you that if you continue seeking him, you will. You will. And if you have a desperation like what I talked about last Sunday, that I'll do whatever I have to do to get it, you'll get it. But until then, can I encourage you that God has planted you in a church that has heard from God? And we know exactly what he has called us to do in this city. In this county, this community, he knows exactly what, we know exactly what he's called us to do. So yesterday, I just got back from, from my visionary retreat. I kind of call it a visionary retreat. It, it sounds like it's relaxing. But uh, I filled up a whole tablet because uh, when I fast, I get some clarity that I didn't have before. And I'm just hearing from the Lord and I'm just writing, 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 filled up a whole tablet full of what God is telling us as a church. And he says, yes, the things that I've told you before, you're on the right track, but I'm refining the vision. I, I'm defining the vision and I'm bringing clarity and he is. And I can promise you, God is doing something bigger than I can ever imagine. I think it's going to be start blowing up this year. I mean, it, we thought it was blowing up before. And so God planted you in a church that has heard from the Lord. And we recognize that God didn't plant us in Athens, Texas to grow the church, this church. He planted us in Athens, Texas to grow his kingdom in Athens, Texas. 
And so as we get in on what he's called us to do, maybe you say, I, I, I don't really know what he's called me to do. Well, would you just commit to do whatever it is that you think he might be calling you to do? And when you do, you will find out the, the excitement, the exhilaration of, of living in the flow of that river that comes pouring out of you. Jesus said, to know and do the will of my Father, that's my bread. That's of greater pleasure than anything this world could offer. Have you heard from the Lord? If not, keep listening. But until you do, you get in on his kingdom work and he'll start getting real clear. Real clear. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that we would be so in tune to you. And Lord, if we got to put off some of the things of the world, that's a small price to pay. But that we would not act to the prompting of Satan, but we would act upon your prompting, oh God. We'd act upon your prompting, oh God. And when we do, oh my goodness, taste and see that the Lord is good, you just keep getting gooder and gooder all the time. We thank you, Lord, that you include us in your plan for the glory of Christ, the growth of this kingdom, and the good of this community. We're in on it. It's a rescue mission. To come to the rescue of those who are hurting. And not just rescue their flesh in order to to appease and, and, and satisfy their flesh. But that they might come to know the goodness of God and want more of it. Full salvation. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.